Hello and welcome back to the Great Northeast Podcast. Today we're talking about the quill pig, the porky. I guess it's just called porky. Uh, the the prickle pig, the Canada, the Canada porcupine or the hedgehog. We're talking about the North American porcupine. Let's get into it. Okay, so the common porcupine, the American porcupine... It's a large, chunky body with a high-arching back and short legs, long guard hairs on front half of the body, black-brown in the east and yellowish in the west, quills on rump and tail. Uh, feet have unique soles with small, pebbly-textured, flesh, fleshy knobs and long, curved claws, four toes on the forefeet and five toes on the hind feet. It mates uh, October through November, and one young is born in May or June, uh, about ju- with a gestational period of about seven months. That's pretty dang long, honestly. And it's kind of amazing that something, I guess it's not highly preyed upon, but it's, you know, definitely not a predator or top of the food chain by any means. And they only give birth to one young. And it takes about seven months. That's pretty crazy. Oh, and I, I have some... Actually, speaking about breeding, crazy thing about porcupines. So I was in the Adirondacks a couple years ago. It was late, mid-October probably. Maybe pushing late October. And uh, I was walking, and I heard something, some kind of like squeal or like, screaming thing, and I'm walking kind of in a little gully between between this mountain and and kind of some swamps, and I like shine my flashlight, I have my bright flashlight, and I shine it over there, and I see this tree moving, and I'm like, huh, I wonder what that is, so I climb up, and I get up, I go up, it was probably like 100 feet away. I finally get up there, and behind this big old rock, where there's this little spruce tree, uh, this porcupine's there, and it's all bloody, and, I, and I'm looking up, and I see there's like a lot of trees, and I'm thinking maybe it fell off of a tree, and it got injured, and it's like dying, so I'm like, I don't know what to do, like, <laughs> this thing is attracting every predator in the entire world to come and eat it. So as as it goes as I'm sitting there kind of in awe of this porcupine and wondering what happened to it, I realize that it's not one porcupine. It's two. And they're mating. And I just hear the the male crunching the quills on the back of the female. He's just latching on and you just hear <laughs> as he's trying to get a better grip and then you know he's going at it and and I'm just standing there like I shouldn't be watching this <laughs> and so then I just left them in peace and then carried on and then come to find out uh, like I wasn't I wasn't 100% sure they were breeding it was kind of obvious but I double checked did some research come to find out female porcupines are only 
fertile for 12 hours in the entire year. That's pretty insane. And they're solitary animals, so they, they kind of, they say that there's one porcupine, uh, there's two per 25 square miles or something like that, and their kind of home range is 36 acres or something. So they're not like everywhere. Um, so they, I don't know what the females do in order to get the males to come. But they must be putting off some sort of crazy pheromone to get the males to come in so they could breed. Because they only have a 12-hour window to to get their eggs fertilized. But I was, after that, I was kind of amazed. I was like, I can't believe I got to see that. You know, something that only happens 12 hours out of the year. It was disturbing. I probably wouldn't want to see it again. But at least I got to see it. It was pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, it's... Porcupine's mating. Uh, not sure if I recommend it. <laughs> so, well, by the way, where where do they live? The porcupine habitat. They like deciduous and coniferous mixed forests. Um, and then there, there's kind of like a weird pop. Their range is kind of weird. So they're in the northeast. Pretty much, they might slip a little bit into like Ohio and West Virginia. But pretty much into the Northeast, all the way up through Canada, into Alaska. And then they kind of come down, and they're all over the West. So they're kind of, it looks like, on this range map, it looks like it comes down right outside of the, like Montana, a straight line down from Montana, and it stops kind of right at Texas. And then west of that, and pretty much all in there. So all through like the desert and the mountains so they they do have a kind of a large range of of uh, habitat that they live in to be that widespread they're not as widespread as the beaver um oh by the way porcupine is the second largest rodent in north america the largest being the beaver and they can get up to about 40 pounds in weight and the beaver can get up to 110. So that's a pretty big difference. But I think the when I think the North American beaver is the second largest rodent in the entire world, and the first being the capybara down in South America. So the the common porcupine it has about 30,000 quills on its body, and these are modified hairs. Uh, they're solid at the base and the tip and they're hollow for most of the shaft, and they're loosely attached to a sheet of voluntary muscles beneath the skin. <laughs> the porcupine's generic name means one who, who rises in anger. And while a porcupine cannot throw its quills, like uh, in the cartoons, uh, 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 when forced to fight, it will erect them, and it will even like whip its tail out at them. And I mean, a lot of you dog owners out there, you've had to experience pulling quills out of your dog's face. Um, uh, and they also, the quills also have a, a barb on them. Like if you think about a fishing hook, how it has a barb. So when it goes in your skin, 
it doesn't come out easy without ripping. And I think the way to pull them out, <laughs> I should, should probably look this up instead of saying it, but I think you, you twist it as you pull. I could be wrong, but uh, I'm hoping that I never have to pull quills out of me. So the, the cool thing is if the porcupine hits whatever, a bobcat, fisher cat, or a bear, whatever it is that's attacking it, this is super cool. Um, the loosely rooted quills will detach and they're, they drive them into the victim and the heat, the body heat of whatever it's hitting... The, let's say a bobcat. Once it goes into the bobcat, the body heat causes those microscopic barbs you're just talking about uh, to expand, uh, and then they get even more firmly embedded. And they actually work their way deeper. Um, uh, so they 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 kind of like work. So it's it they're always, I guess. How do you there's I feel like. There's certain arrows that do that, but anyway, so as as like the animals going about it today with a face full of quills, those those quills are slowly actually kind of working their way deeper and deeper into the body, which I did not previously previously know. So obviously, this is a defense mechanism. So the the uh, sometimes they've actually been the the por there's actually been reports of porcupines just getting that perfect strike, which either causes the animal to get a bunch of quills and then the wounds fester and it dies, or they just hit the right spot and those barbs will work their way in and eventually kill the animal or blind them, which is probably more likely. And also, I I think I remember this correctly. The they say to cut the quill if you get get your you or your dog gets attacked by porcupines, I guess, uh, which they they don't normally attack. It's just you know if they're threatened. But um, I don't think they attack at all actually. But if uh, you do, they say I think this is right. They they say to cut the quill since it's hollow inside, and it'll allow air to escape and pressure to be relieved, and then it's a little easier to pull out. But also, so porcupines are they they're not terrestrial, they're not arboreal, they're kind of a mix. They'll be I've seen a pork most of the porcupines I've seen have, have been in trees, but I've seen a, a couple on the ground as well. Uh, and the funny thing is, is they're not really great climbers. They're pretty clumsy going up and down trees and they the researchers researchers have found the like a large percentage of porcupines their skeletons have healed fractures from them presumably falling out of trees uh and breaking bones since they're heavy and clumsy. And it's funny this so they'll climb up a tree to get away from a predator or maybe to get some some food uh, some twigs or whatever, and they when they're coming down the tree, they're like patting their tail against the tree as a feeler, so they can kind of shimmy their way down, and it's kind of clumsy looking, honestly, when you see it. It's pretty, it's pretty humorous. Um, 
but yeah, they're so they're kind of clumsy. They're, they move slow on the ground. Although I have seen them get some giddy up. Uh, unfortunately, my dog ran after one, and I was able to stop him before he caught up to it. But it took off at a good clip. Uh, I'm not sure how long it can sustain that clip, but uh, I was glad that I didn't find out. <laughs> I was glad that he was gone, and my dog didn't have a face full of quills. Um, so, yeah, they're kind of clumsy all around. They're not really the most graceful animals in the world. So, porcupines have a, a special coloration, like a black and white coloration on their back. And that's to warn predators, like, hey, don't mess with me. When they finally, when they, when they can't get away, they're cornered, and they're like, alright, time to duke it out. And so, they'll, they'll turn their back to the enemy... I, th I mentioned this a little bit in the Fisher, uh, Fisher Cat episode, how the Fisher will get up on the, so they'll usually butt up the head, the porcupine will butt their head against the tree and the Fisher will climb down from the tree and just nip at their head or whatever until the head wounds weaken it and it weakens it and then finally it's too weak to defend itself and then the Fisher will go in for the, for the final kill. And the Fisher is pretty much the only thing that can really get away with, without a scratch. Um, against a porcupine, but they so they have a black and white warning pattern, kind of like a skunk, I guess you could you could say. And uh, on their backside, and if they're going to get attacked, it it gives a second warning. So it has the white, black, and white, and it gives a second warning, which is it starts chattering its teeth <laughs> for about like 30 seconds uh, and it may do that multiple times uh, and then in addition the porcupine can also put out a very pungent nasty smelling odor which means like ah, don't eat me I taste like crap uh, it can cause your eyes and nose to water it's that pungent wow that's pretty crazy so if all else fails it erects its quills and gets ready to strike. So unlike most of its, re or some of its relatives, I guess, not most of them, because there's a lot of rodents that don't. So it's a rodent. I'm not sure if I ever mentioned that from the start. The porcupine is a rodent. It's in the same family as rats and mice and beavers and all that. So it's got an ever-growing pair of front incisors and a no-gap. I think it's called a distema, D-I-A-S-T-E-M-A, -E which is the gap where there's no canine, and it's, uh, it's basically for chewing and gripping things, I guess. Well, not chewing, because there's nothing there. But there's a gap between the incisors and the premolars and molars. Or sorry, a gap between the incisors and the molars. There's no canine there. Um, it's a strict vegetarian, um, and it and so it eats woody debris. That's why it can kind of, I guess, be awake all winter. Um, leaves, twigs, uh, green plants like skunk cabbage. Which skunk cabbage? I got to do an episode on. That's a really cool uh, wildflower. Uh, it's already bloomed, um, so you should. I got to do a quick episode on that actually. The skunk cabbage is pretty awesome to go out and see. 
skunk cabbage. I can't, no, I can't go in it. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll get on a 20-minute tangent about the skunk cabbage. Uh, lupines and clover in the spring. In the winter, it chews through the rough outer bark of various trees, including pines, firs, cedar, and hemlock, uh, to get to the inner bark, the Cambian layer, on which uh, it then mainly subsists. Like many herbivores, the, the porcupine has a bacteria in its digestive tract containing enzymes that help it to digest the cellulose and other substances not sufficiently broken down by normal digestive enzymes. So basically, it, it like has a uh, enzyme in its stomach that allows it to eat woody debris and get the sustenance it needs from it. <laughs> So it's just, okay, so this is a little messed up. Uh, <laughs> so the common porcupine mates, mainly October, November, like we said, it's most vocal at this time, giving a variety of squeaks and groans. Like, that's how I found out, you know, like in the story when I heard it, and I saw that, that little spruce moving. Um, and uh, <laughs> mating occurs in the same fashion with other uh, as with other mammals, but not until the female is sufficiently aroused so that she will relax her quills before raising her tail over her back and presenting herself. This is where things get weird. <laughs> Males may fight over females, and courtship is elaborate. Prior to mating, the male squirts high-pressure jets of urine over the female. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> After a gestational period of nearly seven months, an unusually long period for a rodent, which is true, which I, we kind of talked about, um, the single a single young is born in May or June in a very uh, precocious condition. So precocial, altricial, precocial, out, see, i, I got to keep remembering with these. I think precocial is very dependent. We'll, we'll keep, we'll, I'll continue reading and find out. Um, quills are not well formed, but not injurious. Quills are well formed, but not injurious to the mother, and the baby is born headfirst in a placental sac, and its short quills are soft. They harden within a half an hour. The lifespan of the common porcupine is seven to eight years, but I, another place I read said about twelve years as well. Um, in addition uh, to the Fisher cat. Common predators include mountain lions, bobcats, coyotes, and the porcupine quills are both natural and dyed and are used in brilliant, executed, decorative quill work by Native Americans who also eat the animal's flesh. And I'm pretty sure that you can eat a porcupine raw. I think it's the only mammal that you can eat raw. So if you're dying in the woods and you need to eat something and you are not very skilled at doing anything besides killing something and you're dying of starvation and you can eat a porcupine raw if you really want to. Kind of kind of interesting. I heard that from a friend of mine. So if 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 I'm wrong about that, you can blame him, not me. Oh, and by the way, I'm pretty sure precocial is they're ready to go. Uh, altricial is dependent upon the mother. I always forget. I feel like I have to look this up every time I mention it. <laughs> One day I'll remember. I am pretty certain that precocial is they're ready to go. Uh, I th 
I just always think back to the woodcock because I think she has precocial young, which means that you're ready to go. Anyway, so it's I could Google search it, but that would be insulting to myself. But I'm pretty sure precocial is uh, um, born and ready to ready to get going within a little bit of uh, very soon after being born. Oh my gosh, he just keeps getting worse. It keeps getting worse. So not only does the male urinate all over the female, he does a little courtship dance to get her all excited. Uh, and it's called a three-leg dance. <laughs> Dude, it just keeps getting worse. I didn't think I was going to go down this road for porcupines. As he dances, he commonly holds his genitals with his forepaw or rubs them with a stick just before mating. He showers his mate in urine. Oh my goodness. Um... I don't know what, uh, I don't, I'm glad I didn't see that part. <laughs> Jeez Louise, man. Uh, so I think I'm right about precocial again, because the young are able to climb trees within a few hours after birth, so that has to be mean precocial as they're, they're born mostly developed. Okay, so we're coming to a close here. So, how do you find the porcupine? I've seen most of my porcupines at night. You just on walks, doing night hikes. Um, I've seen a couple during the day up in trees. Uh, but they're prim primarily nocturnal, so they'll come down on the ground during the night. And then during the day, they'll usually be resting up in trees. Uh, but let's talk about some sign where you can see them. Um, and this is from the National Audubon Society. Uh, large irregular patches of bark stripped from tree trunks and limbs with neatly gnawed edges and plentiful tooth marks. You gotta think of maybe like beaver-like tooth marks. Nip, nip twigs are often strewn on the ground. So I see this a lot with hemlock there'll be a lot of nip twigs and that's usually from porcupine or I guess it could be maybe from deer as well. Uh, the scat is similar to that of deer so little round pellets and I guess rabbits are also similar. I have similar scat. Uh, vary greatly in size and appearance uh, depending on the food and the season. Um, so obviously it's food changes throughout the season and that will change its scat as well. Um, so, ooh, soft, <laughs> soft scat, nice. Um, rough surfaced irregular pellets, sometimes connected when food is relatively soft in summer. Pellets softer, uh, pellets are softer, more elongate, and often curved, curved with some segmented. Um, so, not, I wouldn't say necessarily like, Deer usually don't have, I guess bucks will have clumped up scat, but does usually don't. Um, so I guess, I guess you could, doesn't really look that much like it. And anyway, so accumulations of scat are found at entrances uh, to their crevice shelter or cave among rocks and in winter at the base of a single tree where the porcupine is usually just sitting in and leaving and eating. Which is a cool way if you're looking around and you see a pile of scat 
and you know at the base of a tree or in rock uh, and I wouldn't recommend sticking your head in a rock crevice that might have a porcupine in it uh, but uh, usually I see them in trees so if you see that scat at the base of a tree just look up you might you might see a porcupine uh, the tracks they have a distinctive toe in almost like a nope I don't know what that is, so I'm not going to say. I don't know what a badger's track looks like. So I'm not even going to mention it. But I just did. By saying I wasn't going to mention it, I did. Uh, long claw mark far ahead of the oval main prints. So it's got like a big pad, and then he's got the its claws way ahead that look like little pokies. So depending on the quality of the track, you might not even be able to see those little pokies. Um... And then it gives some measurements, which I'm not going to really get into as far as why. And so this is cool, too. And the snow, which unfortunately is pretty much all gone here because we've had, well, maybe not unfortunately. We've still got like 12 inches of ice. Um, so you can still ice fish. But in the snow, the feet may drag or shuffle, uh, connecting the prints, and then... The trail will be blurred, occasionally blurred, as if swept by a small broom, which probably is, as the belly brushes the ground, and the and the heavy tail switches swishes from side to side. So it's basically, if you think about, you're walking and you're just swinging a broom back behind you, like that's the kind of trail that you'll that you'll see out in the in the woods, and. Honestly, most of the time, you just got to keep your eyes open, look up, you'll see them, especially in the winter, they stand out like a sore thumb up in the trees. If you go on a night night walk, especially in this nicer weather that we're getting, uh, you might see them up and wandering around because everything's going to be up and wandering around with the nice weather, especially at night. Um, but anyway, thank you for listening. That's uh, the quill pig. The common porcupine, the North American porcupine, the second largest rodent in North America, and quite fascinating, a little mostly disturbing, but anyway, this is David with the Great Northeast Podcast. Thank you for listening, and tune in to the next one, or I guess I'll talk to you soon. I don't know. Whatever the ending is.